0: little bit of paranoia welcome to the iron sissabin podcast welcome everybody to tonight's episode of the iron sissabin podcast i'm your host nate and i'm joined tonight by one of our usual co-hosts though i don't think we've seen him since before the holidays jason say hi jason
1: hi jason hi jason
0: and we have a special guest tonight mr it guy eric or eric the it guy which is it i've seen it both ways now
2: so the the handle is it guy eric um and uh, it, it just, I go by Eric the IT guy. In fact, uh, some folks that know me uh, know that I do some things for, for work, which we'll get into here in a minute. Uh, we're shocked to know that I actually do have a last name. I just don't tend to advertise it.
0: You have a last name. Well, I know you have a last name because, <laughs> you know, whatever, we've talked. But, you know,
2: <laughs> it's in fact not <laughs> IT guy.
0: It's not IT guy? That's not your last name? That'd be a great <laughs> last name. <laughs> right. Well, no, that would actually be a terrible last name. Because think of all the questions you'd get. You're the IT guy, right?
2: Actually, funny enough, <laughs> that's how I got the handle.
0: That I, I I believe it. I believe it. All right. So, do you want to give a quick intro, and then sure. we'll we'll hop into our main topic, which I think is going to be a little enjoyable.
2: Yeah. So uh, I spent uh, a lot of the early years of my career as a systems administrator. I followed the same path that uh, that a lot of us have. I started out as an intern on help desk where I spent my days kicking printers and uh, throwing broken keyboards across the room. Um, If they weren't broken before, they were definitely broken after. Um, Yeah. But, uh, you know, started out on the help desk, worked my way up into just general systems administration translation. I created and deleted tons and tons of exchange email inboxes. Uh, And then I found out that there was this really cool thing called a Linux server. And so I started to kind of tinker with those. And as, uh, as, as as I kind of transitioned in my career, people were like, "Hey, we've got like these six Linux boxes, just given to Eric. He he knows what the Matrix Kung Fu is that that uh, that you have to to use in order to to." Uh, to to make these things work. We're just not going to touch them. So in 2011, I took a chance and doubled down on Linux systems administration. I uh, took a job as a full-time Linux systems administrator. I got my Red Hat uh, certified systems administrator, my RHCSA certification. And that was probably the best gamble of my entire career. Um, I spent about just shy of seven, eight years as a full-time Linux systems administrator, dedicated. these days other than rebooting a windows box i had i know nothing about windows so um I, that was that was a great turning point in my my career was someone asked me hey can you go fix something in the registry and i could just say no
0: I don't know that. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't fix it any better than you can.
2: Right, I don't, I don't speak that <laughs> language anymore. Sorry. Uh, so then, uh, then I got a job at GitLab for about a year. I transitioned out of operations, uh, started doing more with the open source community. Started uh, started hanging out at Linux fests and that kind of thing. Uh, was in pre sales at GitLab for a year, and then uh, I uh, I joined the team at Red Hat and. Uh, was a telco uh, solutions architect, so pre-sales there for a little while. And then I got the dream job of of dream jobs working for the Red Hat Enterprise Linux BU uh, and the marketing department. So these days I'm a senior technical marketing manager, uh, which is a big fancy title of I talk to other sysadmins about how RHEL and how Red Hat can can really help um, Not have not get those two a.m. phone calls to reboot a Linux box when it's actually somebody's database query. Uh, True story. That actually happened. I I got paged at two a.m. because a server was slow. Uh, Turns out that it was actually a a a database query that they put one too many asterisks in, and. Yeah, yeah.
0: Asterisk is a dangerous <laughs> thing in SQL queries.
2: Right. So it's like, yeah, fix your query. I'm going back to bed. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah. So for those of you that aren't aware, right? I mean, like, like obviously, I work at Red Hat. I know this stuff. Eric works at Red Hat. Jason, you you've been exposed to enough Red Hatters to know this. But when Red Hat puts the word technical in front of a title, they mean it. Right. <laughs> it's not. it's technical marketing manager is not like like a fluffy sales title, like you're every technical marketing manager I've come across knows their stuff. They've been there. They've been in the trenches. So, um, Eric is here, uh, because I chatted with him a little bit internally. Uh, he's been, I guess you've been on a little bit of a quest to sort of, uh, uh, get some certain, I'm not going to say messaging out there, but just to be more involved with, with this type of community, he found our, uh, our discord community, which, you know, completely unprompted. Like, I had met Eric before, but he just showed up one day, and I'm like, hey, I think I know you. (laughs) And we started talking, and like, maybe we'll have you on the show sometime. And then, believe it or not, Mark, who couldn't be here tonight, came up with this great topic that uh, we were mulling over. He he had to bail because he has some home improvement stuff going on, and it just wasn't uh, compatible with (laughs) recording a podcast. Uh, But the topic for tonight is how... Basically, the the role of a systems administration has changed in the past, I mean, I'm saying decade, but we'll probably go back at least a little further than a decade. My own personal experience goes back almost two decades, probably a little more than two decades, part of it as a hobby, then part of it as a career. Um, so, but I don't want to bore everybody with a big, huge, long timeline. So we're going to kind of gloss over some of the early, early days because they aren't quite as relevant, although they're good history to have, Right. But anyway, um, it seemed like a great show to have Eric on. We may have him on for something else, some other topic in the future. I don't know. We'll see. You know, maybe you guys don't like him and you don't know, want him back. I don't know.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I don't know if Jason <laughs> likes me. He just he keeps rolling his eyes.
0: Well, I mean, uh, you, you, you mentioned GitLab. Jason is the first person I've known of to deploy GitLab, and he still has it up and running. That's probably, like, what, six, seven years you've been running that thing. I don't know. If that's I've, exactly been, I've
1: been on and off running GitLab since it was announced. Um, and then the past five, seven, uh, probably more like seven or eight years, uh, every place that I've worked, I've brought GitLab in um, and stood it up because it's just hands down like the best out there. Oh, it's, it's
0: pretty cool. I mean, it's it's like the 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 concept of a self hosted GitHub is essentially what it solves, right? And that's yeah. that's pretty cool, right? So
2: yeah, it's it's an amazing product, an amazing community, and uh, it was a really fun job too uh i had, i actually didn't think i'd ever leave gitlab but uh then then uh, a friend of mine uh brandon uh gave me a call one day and said buddy i need your resume like right now I was like, uh why He goes <laughs> why? a job came open on my team we were kind of kicking around ideas and you'd be perfect for it so you need to put in your resume to red hat right now like well okay red hat's <laughs> not going to hire me <laughs> whatever uh, and then you know two that was 2 years ago and so here i am uh working for the BU and, uh, Brandon doesn't ever cease to remind me that it was, that it was his prodding that got me into that position. So, uh, that was actually leaving GitLab was one of the hardest decisions I ever made in my career, but, uh, it, it definitely, definitely paid off. And I, I keep contact and keep in touch with what's going on over it, over at GitLab. And, and like you, I do try and, and convince people to, you know, if we're going to do a rel lab, let's, let's use, let's use GitLab. Just for, forget that other site.
0: Yeah, right, right. That other thing would get in the news. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So anyway, might as well get into the topic at hand, right? So, um Jason, feel free to throw in commentary as I try to gloss over the early days of sysadminting and kind of where the role came from, mm-hmm. right? Because this isn't stuff that I've that I've lived through necessarily, but it's stuff I can remember, right? So back in the early days when you had like mainframes and whatnot, you had this guy or maybe team of people called the system operators, right? And they were the folks who basically kept the mainframe going and made sure that, uh, you know, users could do the things they needed to do on the mainframe, right? When there was an issue with the mainframe, you'd call the system operator. And that name carried over to things like the BBS era. The sysop was always the guy that you'd go to. He was the the guy that was running the guy or girl, I suppose, that was running the the, the system, the system operator, right? Um, And then as that, Matured into sort of enterprisey and you know sort of a broader title. You weren't just the mainframe guy anymore. System administrator came along, and I don't know where that shift exactly was, but when I got into the field, system administrator and network administrator were the two most common job titles for someone who was sort of getting into that field, right? Um, so the term sysadmin was born, right? And sysadmins, as anyone who's listened to this show, I hope would know are the folks that run anything from your mail server to your Linux box, to your, you know, your cloud stuff to, to, you know, maybe they just manage your printer and, and make sure that, uh, uh, things are, are working properly. Uh, the term sometimes gets blended with other roles. Like I worked at one place where I was technically a network administrator, even though most of my job was systems. Uh, but I was responsible for anything from the, the network switches to the, 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 the the WAN links that we had set up to the the Windows machines to the Linux machines to the freaking building's air conditioner right, <laughs> <laughs> it's just everything. I right? think That's, they just called that the IT guy. Yeah, I just called that the IT guy, but you right. had to have a title, right? So,
1: well, um,
2: and, and to be honest, a lot of the a lot of the sysops and early sysadmins that I I learned. About servers, from we're actually just converted electrical engineers. They're like, "Hey, you ran the power right. into the data center for all these all these big things that we don't understand. Uh, so you 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 know electronics. So certainly it'd, it'd be nothing for you to to manage the the operating system that sits on top of the hardware, right?
0: You know these computer things, right? Yeah. Wait, whenever I touch
1: the back <laughs> of this thing, lightning bolts come out, and, and you <laughs> like lightning bolts, so you must be able to to, to control this. It's yours now,
0: <laughs> right? Uh and uh you know we can't we can't talk about system operators and system administrators without talking about the old uh, series of short writings called the bastard Operator from Hell, <laughs> which is somewhat based in in truth, right Sysadmins and systems operators got this sort of uh persona going where they were the no they were the people that said no they were the people that told you you couldn't do mm-hmm. things they were the people that told you you know that basically made your life hell even if even if they weren't necessarily true they had that image right and that's unfortunately kind of the image that people have when they think about the guy who's running things the guy who the guy who has to keep the systems running and a, a lot of times the reasoning behind that stuff is not because we want to tell you no but it's because maybe you've got a bad idea and someone has to tell you no <laughs> Right? It's not and the guy is going to get the guy who's going to get woken up at two in the morning when your bad idea goes south is the guy that's going to tell you no.
1: <laughs> and, and it's amazing how many of those stories tie in with the whole e- electrical engineer end of this. Right.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Right. Totally.
1: <laughs> and if you don't know what I'm talking about, go read them. They're hilarious. I'm pretty oh, yeah. sure
2: that the author worked at a few places that I did because some of those stories just hit too close to home
1: to be humorous. <laughs>
0: I guess it's possible, right? So, uh, yeah.
1: And and like 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 most systems administrators or sysops or whatever term we're using for our jobs today, I have never ever uh done anything that could be construed as a uh bastard operator from hell story.
0: Oh, yeah, never. Not not a once. Not yeah, I was once. No, I mean to be completely honest, I've I've always tried to be the sort of administrator that that, that enables good things, right? But you always have to eventually come to a no, right? Mm-hmm. Like, can you make it do this crazy thing? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I could, but who's going to support it? Oh, you are. No, I can't do that thing. <laughs> so um, you know, that's that's sort kind of you almost in in today's world. That's almost like ancient history, right? The the that role that I just described, the guy who basically threw sheer wit and and knowledge manages all of your things uh, by hand, right, is if you could imagine a day where we didn't have things like playbooks and we didn't have automation, at least not like you know it today, uh, the, the closest thing we had to automation was some crafty bash scripts or Perl scripts. Remember Perl? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, you might have individual tasks written up into some kind of a script, but there was still some guy that executed that made sure all the right input was in, checked to make sure that it was done at the other end, right? And that has really changed over time. And that's really, you know, all that to say, that's what we're going to talk about tonight, right? (laughs) So um, the earliest thing I can remember that, that really started to transform the role was the ability to automatically build systems. And that's kind of the first bullet point I have in our list here. And what came to mind for me was things like Kickstart, but then it occurred to me there were also products like Norton Ghost that mm-hmm. would do things like you could take a machine, maybe it was a desktop, right, and clone it to another one, whether it's from drive to drive or from a CD, believe it or not, a a single ISO that you'd plop into a, into a computer and image. Maybe it was even floppy before that. I don't know. Is that, is that even realistic? Floppy ghost images? I don't know. Maybe uh, you probably could, not.
1: You could
2: ghost could... drivers for sure.
1: Yeah. yeah. And- I think you can almost you can almost argue that installers for applications are, are a part of automation as well. Because Right. Yeah. You know, if you go all the way back to I don't know, like Commodore, TI, etc., that there were no installers. It was you had to load it, know how to run it, you know, or else you were lost.
0: Yeah, right. Right. You Manually had a floppy compiling. disk. Oh yeah, right. You're compiling stuff. I mean that's that's even Right. So uh, I guess you could say that uh, I'll, 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 uh, I'll allow it. I'll put it that way. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Kickstart is the thing that comes to mind because ghost was you'd install a system. You would configure it in a certain way. That was like your gold standard. And then you'd use ghost to image that onto whatever removable media you were going to then write it to other machines with. And then you'd have like a boot disc and it would, it would clone bit for bit that data. It wasn't on the fly. It wasn't, you couldn't change it. It was an image, right? A disk image. Kickstart was, you'd install a system and you'd end up with a text file. And that text file could be used to duplicate that. But it wasn't like an image. It was, I have a Kickstart file that defines my sane config. I can edit that Kickstart file. I can change it as time goes on, right? And when I want to build a new system... I plop in the disk with that kickstart image in it, right, along with the OS install media, and it'll reinstall the system, which is a very slight nuance, right? It reinstalls versus just imaging. It reinstalls using the config that's in that kickstart file. And uh, you can do things like change how, the, how you want the disk laid out. You can do things like change what packages get installed. You can have different kickstarts for different scenarios, right? It's not like an image where it's kind of, I'm not going to say immutable. There's certainly ways to edit an image. They're not as clean as Kickstart. So that in my mind is kind of the beginning of where it started to become easier to deploy systems and started, to, and then it opened up the door to making it easier for automating other things. Right. And um, the timeline that we've got laid out here, isn't like a necessarily a strict timeline. I have it broken up into categories. So if we jump around here, don't, call us out like oh no no puppet came before virtual machines don't you can't talk about that <laughs> later anyway the next thing i wanted to touch on was virtual machines and virtual sprawl right so did mm-hmm. you guys have anything else you want to talk about in the sort of build automation world
2: well i i was really excited when you when you mentioned ghosts because that was one of the first projects i ever had uh as as a uh actually even before my systems administrator days uh, I worked for a municipality here in Kansas City and uh, I was I was the desktop support guy and one of my one of my tasks was regularly to re-image uh, Windows XP machines and uh, I, I can remember and, and I'll, I'll, I'll add a war story and just for for laughs but uh, uh, I remember being handled handed this this project and thinking just it was it was uh it was infrastructure as code before that was even considered a term because uh we had this base image, but we had to break down the images by model numbers, so we had optiplex for desktops we had latitudes or whatever the whatever the uh the laptop was at the time but we had we had multiple images and come to find out you could actually like pre package all the system drivers that were in your in your fleet into the image makes for a little bit bigger image but when you're when everything's on stored drives and that kind of thing and on in in the network backbone then you know you don't really care what's on the what's what's on the end user system uh, and, and the 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 funny part is that um uh, we we got our ghost system working so well that i was able to not only uh i was not only able to keep to to catch up on that on that uh, desktop refresh project but actually have like Loaner systems ready to go. The only problem was that our workbench, uh, we'd set up desktops and laptops down the length of the workbench and run a USB cable for mouse, keyboard, and then Ethernet cable to get on the network. Uh, our network administrator misconfigured the switch that was in the workbench. And so what Ghost would do is when you started a, an imaging session, would actually multicast onto a network. And if your if your workbench switch is on the same network as the rest of your city network, you might accidentally take down the city network because you were Uh, setting up new laptops.
0: (laughs) So we very quickly
2: identified that system or that that error and fixed it.
0: That's ugly. <laughs>
2: yeah every, everybody was running around the 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 it office going what what is going on what process is running and i come just walking out of the out of the workbench and just go did, did you kick something What's going off? on guys was, yeah why why is the red light on And it was like i just kicked off a couple of laptop images you know no nothing big <laughs> so sure enough we pulled the plug and everything worked again
0: yeah weird <laughs> So you touched on a really good point, though, right? And this is kind of the point I think I was trying to make but didn't really drive home, is that that build automation meant that instead of tying up your sysadmin or your desktop admin, in your case, right, uh, with babysitting an install, they could now kick off three or four of them, and walk away, take down the city's network, in your <laughs> case, <laughs> and uh, go do more productive things, Right. There's always, and we've talked about this on this on this show before. Uh, years ago, we talked about automation and how a lot of sysadmins were like, "Oh no, automation's going to put us out of a job." Well, no, automation's going to let you do more important things, right? Sure, if if you want your job to be standing in a cold data center at a keyboard and mouse, trying to install the next server or the next twenty servers, whatever you're trying to deploy then yes, it's going to ruin your job. I'm sorry. You can't stand there and watch a blinking cursor. Uh, you're going to have to go do something else. But um, this was kind of a game changer, right? And, and people realized that, I'm assuming, and kept building on that. And that's what mm-hmm. sort of tells the rest of our story here, right? So um, on that note, right? So the, the next thing that I threw in here was virtual machines, right? I, I think this was revolutionary, for mm-hmm. the type of work we do as sysadmins, right? And it it's led to so many other revelations, right? So as a as a sysadmin who remembers before we had VMs or b- at least before VMs were enterprise ready, right? Cuz I can remember toying with VMs way back at the beginning of, of my career and it was it was just a a fun <laughs> thing, right? Like, oh, look, I can run a DOS machine inside of my Windows machine, right? But whatever. No one thought about doing that in the enterprise, right? Well, So servers were all, you know, you had a physical server and you put an OS on that server. And that server, if it was your quote unquote web server, it might have a dozen websites on it, right? And all of those websites could break all the other websites because one piece of bad code could take the whole system down and 12 websites are now down, right? And we didn't really have isolation. Yes, there were things out there to try to isolate them from each other from a permissions perspective, Uh, but we didn't have true process isolation in the way that you can with a virtual machine. A virtual machine can, one machine can be a fiery wreck right next to another machine that is perfectly fine and running within the same physical hardware, right? Which is just kind of a game changer, right? Without the automation systems like Kickstart, um, building a bunch of VMs quickly would have been just as difficult as building a bunch of physical servers before we had Kickstart, right? You'd be standing there installing, 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 It's a lot easier to clone a VM, of course, than it is to clone a physical machine. You don't need an extra utility. Most hypervisors have the ability to clone a disk, right, built into them. Um, But this was a big deal, and I don't know if there's people watching or listening that do not remember days when we did not have VMs, but it was truly a game changer. You know, we went, I was working at uh, the college that both Jason and I worked at when virtualization really started to take off. Uh, My job before that, I was just sort of tinkering with it. It was a really neat idea. We had just started deploying some virtual systems. We didn't have anything close to a cluster or anything. Uh, But when I got to the college, they were just at the beginning of their virtualization journey. Right? They had a couple of standalone Zen machines and a VMware box or two. Uh, Nothing was clustered yet. And that was all just like on the, that was like the next big thing that we were doing. And I got to be part of that. I got to be part of building and designing that stuff. And it was actually a lot of fun but we went from you know there was a machine called i think it was web 2 you can guess it was the second web server that was ever built at the college right <laughs> it ran all of the college's web presence one machine if that one machine went down if there was you know the network cable got plugged or got unplugged accidentally or if you know one piece of code took down uh that that particular server the whole web presence was down <laughs> right so that's that's a bad thing um Anyway, I'm going on and on here. Virtualization enabled so many things like, for instance, cloud. The cloud, we've joked about it, someone else's computer, right? Well, that's someone else's computer is a bunch of virtual machines that are, mm-hmm. that are positioned in a way that they're easy to spin up and down, and you can do it through a, a fancy little web interface. That's all the cloud is. Yes, there's a bunch of cool technologies around it. But at its core, that's what the cloud is, right? So virtualization here not only enabled the redundancy of being able to take a, a a server and make it redundant in a way that it can be migrated between machines and whatever, but it also enabled technologies like the cloud, right? So any virtualization stories we want to talk about before we move on? Did
1: no, you take then, down uh,
0: the city's uh, network with a VM? I, I was just <laughs> going
1: to say, I mean, virtual in addition to all you said, virtualization really um, took advantage of and allowed you to pull all the, all of the resources out of a a given piece of hardware because any, any single piece of hardware, I mean, even today, any single piece of hardware, it's, it's hard to to run to to have something that's going to use all of the resources that are available to that machine and VMs and, and, you know, more technologies today allow you to sort of split that up where, yeah, you, you may have, you know, eight CPUs in the machine um, but the app that you're running is only ever going to use one, so now you can run eight vMs, lock them to CPUs, and run eight instances of that application you know eight times as fast
2: well and and to to your point when uh collect my thought here for a second uh, to your point when when you have uh like two web servers and and that may be fine on weekends or after dark or even through st- 11 and a half months out of the year but if if you're running a college or something the 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 couple of days when when registration first opens up and your systems are just getting pounded and pounded and pounded day after day with with, with hardware you have to actually buy all the hardware have it sitting there and all those systems sit basically idle most of the year except for those yep. few days when you really need them Virtual yep. machines, and especially as we as we get in, into the, kind of the next iteration of what this looks like where you can uh, dynamically spin resources up and down as needed you you no longer had to you no longer had to build infrastructure for the one hundred and twenty percent of your your normal load instead you could just <clears throat> you could just cluster all of your hypervisors together they shared a pool of resources and, and and we did not take down uh, the city's network with a virtual machine but i do remember <laughs> <clears throat> that was the, that was the first place where i saw uh clustered hypervisors built uh, or a, a cluster of hypervisors together because i can i can remember even back then that you know this virtualization thing is is pretty cool it's fun because we can we can try out different versions of this operating system or of this application uh we can we could maybe maybe we can build something and hand it to a developer and and have them develop on this, and then we can throw it away. But this this will right. never this will never be production. And then right. after a while, it's like, oh, we could use this for production for like our utility boxes or maybe for monitoring software. But never, never for our, uh, never for our money making application. It's just it's not technically possible. And then the yep. last holdout that I recall was was DBAs. I, I had a DBA that yeah that was going to swear to his grave that you cannot run a production database on a virtual machine. I'd love to ask him how that turned out for him. But, uh, the first time that I saw, and I've, I've been tech savvy. I mean, I figured out, as, you know, six years old, I figured out how to change the the wallpaper on my, my dad's, uh, Mac Macintosh two, <coughs> sorry, uh, his Apple two. Um, yeah. <clears throat> and, uh, so I've, I've been tech savvy and even, even for someone who plays in technology outside of his day job, even the first time that I saw vMotion, basically that that was VMware's fancy term of saying, we're going to take this running virtual machine and move it over to this uh, hypervisor. It was so awesome. I will never forget standing around this guy's cube and watching as we kick off the v motion process and so it's running on hypervisor a and then it moved over to hypervisor v, uh, b and we literally had a ping running on against that server the entire time it yep. never dropped a packet i mean yep. for for what 2006 2007 this was amazing. It didn't drop a packet. You barely saw a change in latency as the process was moving. It was so awesome. And just immediately all the systems administrators in in the in the room were like, well, we could do this and we could offload this and we could finally we could and then when when you started talking about P2V, it's like, hey, that that 15 year old that 15-year-old six U box that uh the that the, the, the secondary power supply goes out every other Thursday for who knows what reason we could we could yeah. take we could take that and 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 virtualize it and we can we can save the instance until we can replace the actual data that's on the system and we could get rid of the hardware it opened up so many doors and and it was amazing to see how resistant people were to that and i think we're kind of seeing a little bit about that now but i i, I don't want to move us too far ahead but i mean that's yeah i got yeah, to watch that transition from everything's hardware to Eighty percent of everything is virtualized.
0: Yeah, we're we're going through a similar thing now with a whole new technology, and you know some of you probably know what we're leading to. But um, yeah, that the story about about migrating a VM and watching ping. I have an exact like literal I- identical story, except instead of VMware, it was uh, Red Hat Cluster Suite and Xen. Nice, <laughs> right? <laughs> Same deal, right? Let's let's try to migrate a VM. Okay, start the ping. We're watching the ping. Is it done yet? Oh yeah, it's been done for two minutes. Oh, <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly. That's what it was. It was like, uh, did, did you kick it off?
1: Yeah, yeah. Dude, right. Did you? It's been done when I checked my email. Did, yeah, one of the one right. of the other one of the other benefits was was being able to snapshot things. So oh my you gosh, can, you yes. Run your you 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 know you set up your server meticulously, create exactly what you need, and you snapshot it, and then you yep. run your experiment. You. Blow the thing to smithereens. Completely destroy the entire operating system. It's it's completely useless. Push a button and you're back at the beginning, yep. instantly. And yep. and and you know that as opposed to you know prior to that you know physical servers blowing those up. It was like okay, I'm going to be offline for the next four hours while I reimage the this coffee. Thing.
0: Yeah. Get the coffee. Can, some, can someone my, bring me dinner? I'm going to be here late.
1: Yeah. <laughs> grab my. Grab <laughs> the, number, my iPod. the number of systems that I've had to re-image over my career because of because of just nonsense and, oh, and yeah. snapshotting with a v i mean it, yes there's backups and you can restore from backup but it's still an oh, yeah. arduous process yeah. and yeah. and being able yeah. to snapshot a vm periodically and just you know kick back to it almost instantly is is kind of yep. an amazing thing and it's great yeah. for local development
0: yeah well i mean it, it used to be that backups were that now backups are a piece of that puzzle mm-hmm. right backups still serve a very valid use case but snapshotting is oh, great. absolutely like, I'm yeah. about to go into a big upgrade. I'm going to take a quick snapshot. I'm going to start my upgrade. Oh, man, everything's on fire. All right. When was that snapshot taken? Eight mm-hmm. hours ago? I, f- I feel like that was an eternity ago. Can we just go back to that? I I have to figure out what happened, right?
2: <laughs> Patch Tuesday. When, yeah, when Patch right. Tuesday came around, you were reading the release notes on one one side of your monitor. On the other, you had you had snapshots of all your production boxes. That way, when Microsoft inevitably broke something in Windows Server, I uh, won't have
0: What are you talking about?
2: <laughs> granted this is Windows Server 2003 and you know it's Yeah. But I mean what what could possibly go wrong, right?
0: Apparently but, you were, you were managing Windows servers around the same time that I was. Yeah, and <laughs> and I'm
2: I'm glad to say that 2008 was the last time I ever touched a Windows box.
0: Patch yeah, Tuesday I I and restore or, Wednesday. I had like one or two <laughs> boxes Wednesday. to deal with. Yeah, restore Wednesday.
1: <laughs> Na- nowadays it's like uh patch Tuesday and 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 zero day Wednesday. Is the right right because you know, oh, once I they once it. they drop their patches, they're not dropping anything else for a month. So now all of the the new zero days come out the day after.
0: Yep, the stuff that they didn't fix in the last patch.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Well,
2: I I don't know if you if you had this uh, if you had this this concept at at uh, at the university, but to your point, Jason, you know when you you know when you need a backup the most, about two hours after Iron Mountain comes and picks up your tapes that hold the backup that you need that's when you need the backup it's on a truck on its way to to a vault somewhere
1: well fortunately for us we 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 had data centers across the campus so you know we just we we just shoot backups back and forth no no iron mountain involved but i have been the job that i had before the college we had a, a situation where the and and this this sort of proved the the exception to the rule on backups um it was an ntfs file share um, I had written, uh, I was, I was like a, I was an engineer, but I was basically, you know, writing white papers. Um, and I had written, I don't know, dozens and dozens of white papers and they're all on this, this file share. And somehow the, the file share got corrupted, not, not the files per se, but the NTFS, um, the actual NTFS, uh, metadata or something, metadata itself got corrupted. So they restored from backup which also had the the corrupted NTFS metadata on it. Um, so <laughs> no. that that was sort of useless. Uh. So, you know, we lost all of that and then um, then they went to the backups which were offsite. They had to find I mean, you you all the all the backup horror stories like it, it is is they couldn't find some of the tapes. They finally found the tapes. They brought them back. <laughs> Three of the tapes didn't work. One of them only had some of the data. Yeah, yeah. One so had coffee we got, stains on it. They
0: don't know how it got yeah, there.
1: We, <laughs> we got some of the data back. Um, <laughs> but, you know, of course, all the new stuff. And and as a result, um, you know, my boss was like, okay, we're going to solve this. I have just put in a requisition and everybody is getting a hard drive that we can connect to their laptop. <laughs> External hard drive. You will back up your own stuff. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure. Because sure obviously, went well. we
0: can't do it for you.
1: Well, so we didn't. We didn't have ransomware back then, so it was fine. True.
0: Yeah. Right. Right. Oh, those were the days.
1: They
2: really weren't, though, because I'm like sharing these stories. I, I feel my anxiety kicking in here.
0: Yeah. Right. I know what you mean. I know what you mean.
2: The, these stories hit too close to home, but I, I think that's what makes. The, the industry and, and systems administration or SRE or whatever we want to call ourselves these days, so important. It is so important to have automation, to have templates, to have blessed images, to have these processes built in so that you don't end up burning out your systems administrators. <clears throat> because what, what I struggled with and what it took me leaving operations to learn was that I was burning out at jobs because the, this was the reality of what we did. And of course, the, the part we haven't talked about is when you have the business or your manager or both standing over your shoulder during one of these outages, screaming and yelling, going, we're losing money, we need to get this fixed. Yep. And, and you're just, you're sitting there going like, I told you we needed to replace the server six months ago. The the power supply was going bad. You won't let me upgrade our virtualization licensing so we can add more servers. What do you want me to do? And so you'd work 60, 70, 80 hours. You'd work 8 to 5 Monday through Friday because no one cared what you did on the weekend. You were to be in the office by 8.02 a.m. on Monday morning or you were late. And then you worked all weekend trying to keep things running. And then you got called at Thursday night at four in the morning because somebody's business process broke and they got till 8 a.m. That, that next day to fix it. That's that's ridiculous. Because didn't we come up with technology to make people's lives easier? And I'm there was a time where I tried to figure out, did, is this making anybody's life easier? Because it's certainly not making the operator's lives any easier. And I mean, just... And then you take that burnout from this job, going, "Well, this this company culture must suck, or or this company's budget sucks, or my manager right. sucks." That must be the problem, right? So you switch to it another can't job. Be the
0: job, it must be the people, right? Yeah.
2: And so you take that to the next culture, you take that to the next company, and that's how you get these these really cranky, gray bearded guys. It's not because they hate technology; it's because they they've done this for ten or twenty years. Sorry, I'll get off my yeah. soapbox.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I mean it is. It is. I guess it's inevitable if you're going to talk about system administration over the years. You're gonna you're gonna run into this this exact issue is burnout, right? And it's not just sysadmins. There's a lot of folks in infosec that are all burned out. There's mm-hmm. lots of folks in in network administration that are all burned out because it's really the same problem uh, with a different set of players, right? Right. So a different set of problems and challenges, right? Um. You talked about Patch Tuesday and Zero Day Wednesday, right? Imagine if you're the InfoSec guy, and that's your job, right? Your paycheck is on the line mm-hmm. <laughs> that Zero Day Wednesday doesn't, doesn't leak all your data, right? So, right. So, um, and this this kind of leads up to, like, all the technology technologies that we've talked about to, to this point still required a guy, I keep saying guy, still required an admin, a person, right, to manually set up, configure, and administer all these systems, right? So even imagine the virtualization sprawl, quote-unquote, that's what they were calling it at the time, that we just talked about, where we went from, okay, I've got a dozen servers in my data center to I've got 50 servers in my data center 48 of which are virtual, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> I've got two or three pieces of metal, maybe that database server in the corner. Everything else is virtual, right? All of a sudden, servers are quote-unquote free, but you don't expand your administration staff because you've still got only a dozen servers. Why do you need more than, <laughs> more than the guys that were managing it before, right? Uh, so, and, and that's really just sort of the, the story of so many IT people. Whether they're the sysadmin or the infosec guy or whatever, right? Uh, There's never enough budget. You 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 pointed at that yourself, right? There's never enough budget. There's always salaries are always too high, right? They don't want to hire more people. They don't want to put more budget into IT. So you're doing more with the same amount of money as you were always making the same amount of amount of budget you always had for servers and whatever. Um, And you could argue that a lot of these technologies came about because of that, right? When I worked at that place where I said I was responsible for the air conditioner and everything and everything <laughs> below it, right? There were two of us. We had 100 servers to manage. 100 physical servers to manage. Mm-hmm. There were two of us, right? Yeah, the boss knew what he was doing. I mean, he did start the place, right? He built those first servers himself. But for whatever reason, whether it was because he wasn't interested, whether it was because he was too busy, whether it was because he was a dick, which is what it turned out to be. Um... <laughs> He didn't manage the servers anymore. It was all on me and my assistant, right? Uh, We figured out ways to automate. We figured out ways to script things. We figured out ways. We started tinkering with virtualization because we got tired of driving all the way to work at 2 in the morning, right? A virtual machine, as long as the hardware stayed up, and usually it's the software, the OS that crashes, right? As long as the hardware stayed up, we could still get into the thing remotely and reboot it and whatever. Um. That led to things like config management and automation, deployment tools, right? Uh, Being able to deploy VMs from, well, I mean, I guess the term was infrastructure is code. Is that still what they're calling it now? I don't know. But yeah, that came up after
2: my days learning puppets. (laughs) And then I was like, yeah, this is a great thing. And now we're on to like GitOps or I I don't know, like, uh, like. Uh, automate away your systems administration, DevSec, is something like that.
0: <laughs> DevSec, cloud ops, right? Whatever. And
2: and um, keep in mind, I I admitted right at the top of the show that I I'm a marketing guy, and even I look at some of these terms that you go, you know, it's kind of ridiculous. It's still just the same guy doing the same job. It's just on GCP now instead of instead of in the closet next to the brooms,
0: right? Right. So, um, and what that leads to, right, and I already mentioned it, right, automation. And I don't just mean build automation. I mean full-on, like, soup-to-nuts automation. And we didn't start there, of course. We started, okay, uh, all of our servers get the same NTP server. Mm -hmm. Like, this is everybody's first automation job. Configure NTP. At least that's my experience, right? It it always seemed like that was the example. Okay, everyone needs NTP. Uh, So we had tools like Chef and Puppet, and there was a third one at the time, <coughs> CF Engine. That that kind of preceded most of them, I think, right? There was CF Engine, Chef Puppet, right? Uh, and those, I don't know if CF Engine's still around, but Chef and Puppet, I know people are still using. Uh, but they paved the way. They were a little complicated. They were hard to write code in, but they got the job done. I probably had a, a hundred little puppet modules that would do different things when I worked at the college, right? And they were still in place when I left there. Um, maybe they still are, I don't know. <laughs> but they would do little stuff like, oh, I need to configure send mail on all these machines. So I'd set up a little puppet manifest that said, here's how to set up send mail. Um, I needed to add certain users to everywhere. Here's some users to add. I needed to set up NTP. I needed to set up DNS. You know, whatever, right? There were all kinds of stuff. The web servers, Apache had to be set up a certain way. We want to be able to deploy certificates, right? And it just builds and builds and builds until before you know it, when you build a server, it's okay, Kickstart, remember that. Kickstart, lay down an OS. Puppet comes in. Oh, oh, wait, no, hold Satellite on, hold comes on. in, deploys all the packages.
2: Get your Pixie server. Oh right. And put put your uh, put your Kickstart file on the network, which saves yep. you the the time of going out with a USB drive and booting into network boot. Right. And then go ahead, Kickstart. I'd-
1: right. Right. So, so you're Pixie doing your server. fancy Tools. Do <laughs> it. <Right.
0: laughs> So sixty Server starts. Fine. My, my, my starts first sysadmin
2: job, Jason, my first sysadmin job was converting one guy's Perl scripts over to Puppet Manifests. So <laughs>
1: <laughs> See, I was I was converting bash scripts over to Perl. So <laughs>
0: and then Perl into Puppet and then Puppet into Ansible, right? Yeah.
1: Next,
2: next everything will be AIML. It, it'll be fine. Just give Skynet right. your servers. Skynet will take care of everything.
0: Right. So anyway, Sorry, go imagine. Imagine you're a sysadmin. You're doing everything manually. And over the course of however long it took you to figure all this out, you go from, okay, I can kickstart a machine by popping a disk in and waiting 15 minutes for it to boot up and start doing its thing while I go and get a coffee, to and then come back and manually configure everything or run my set of shell scripts against it or however I was doing it, right? To, and, and by the time I left the college, this is how I had it laid out, right? I had built Satellite which managed Pixie and managed DHCP in, in my, my special build network. I would turn on, I would, I, and it even talked directly to my VM infrastructure, right? So I'd go into Satellite, I'd say, I need a server, it has to match this config. And then I'd just walk away for 20 minutes. And Satellite would write out a Pixie config, it would talk to Rev, and Rev would turn on a VM based on the configuration I told it to. It would go read Pixie, it would go read Kickstart, it would get whatever OS I told it it had to install on it. It would lay that down. (laughs) Satellite would give it the most recent package set that I had blessed. Satellite would hand it a bunch of puppet manifests. It would configure all the things. And then I would come back to a server that had to be moved to the proper network, re-IP'd, and maybe one or two manual tasks that had to be done that didn't fit into my build automation. Right Now, I could do that 100 times a day if I needed to instead of two or three times in a shift. If I were to mm-hmm. do it all manually? Maybe not even, right? I remember I used to take an entire day when I was at that web host to configure one server. Now, they were Windows servers, so you know. Be <laughs> fair. <laughs> <laughs> but um imagine that a web host running Windows servers. Can you picture that? Not yeah. anymore. I have nightmares.
2: Oh gosh, what was what was Microsoft's solution? Um I don't even know. It it crashed all the time. Uh wasn't WebSphere. Was um
0: it was SCCM was their their patch management stuff I No, this know. this
2: was their 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 web server uh i i, I oh IIS.
0: iis yeah 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 we ran iis i, I thought did. you meant for build ma- build build and build automation
2: no sccm was popular after i left uh for linux and i was like wait linux has had spacewalk or or uh, or satellite for far longer than sccm has been a thing so uh, <laughs>
0: yeah you yeah. might have and nice really, fancy when, windows
2: but uh we've we've got the management I, stuff
0: when I left the worlds of win- the world of Windows management, the only thing SCCM was really getting you was you could bring the patches closer to your servers. Yes, that, right? that's so all you it could, did. You could install them faster because you didn't have to wait for the internet, right, to download them and install them. Um, otherwise, it really wasn't all that useful.
2: Well, that that was. That <laughs> I'm was, sure
0: it's come a long way since.
2: That that was definitely a, a, a sysadmin who helped build SCCM because you download the packages ahead of time. That leaves your internet pipe available for you and your buddies to have a LAN party in the office, play Halo Three while all, all your, your windows, windows servers were 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 booting <laughs> i wish i could say that was that was uh, exaggerated
1: <laughs> it really yeah, wasn't right. we had an right.
2: xbox uh vlan at uh, at at one of my jobs
1: and that that's literally what there's, we did on patch night <laughs> there's a reason that the networks were so optimized and tuned and worked so well and it yeah, wasn't right. because of the business applications that were running on that network
2: no it's it's that frames per second when you're when you're trying to get that kill shot in call of
0: duty yeah, because my kills those damn those it <laughs> Because lag kills. <laughs> uh, wow! Chat, chat is crazy tonight. Folks. It is, it is. Um, on both platforms, a lot of people switched <laughs> to YouTube because they were having trouble on Twitch. And then we got somebody on. It looks like Quadling's over on Twitch. Quadling, go to YouTube. I'm having trouble watching both chats.
2: Yeah, Quadling's had a lot of good, good comments that. Uh... <laughs> yeah, Quadling's dead on. It was, it was, it was, uh, it was four
1: people playing on a projector in a conference room. <laughs> Man. i don't i don't know nate you weren't weren't a part of this because i think you were down in the uh um uh, the the tech support pit but you know oh the, yeah the uh they one of the down to the furnace room one one of the places that we we worked um during lunch we would take time to play uh uh unreal tournament um mm, yes and battles and it was us and the um uh, some of the sales, pe- the sales engineers, and some of the network guys, and uh, of course they're down the hall. So in order for them to hear you, you have to yell. So things got loud, <laughs> very loud on the second floor. And then uh, occasionally people would forget that they were working, uh, that they were at work, and uh, it would get loud. The sales and people were like, "Shut up!" Shut oh no, no, no! That, I'm was, selling
0: a DS1 over here.
1: Yeah, it was. It was also. It was also got a little vulgar there uh, a couple times. So uh, yeah. That lasted a couple of weeks. We were asked to please not do that anymore.
2: <laughs> that reminds uh, me of that, the
1: uh, the videos about the
2: the internet help desk years ago, where yeah. where the sysadmin was was playing Halo Two and he'd pause his game to go and and you know, reboot somebody's system. Oh right, was it?
0: It was like the website is down. Was the title yeah, of that yeah, yeah. video, if I remember correctly? Yeah, no, the it's website. not down. Whatever. And he's headshot. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. The the company Jason's talking about, this was just before I started there. They moved tech support, but I started my career there in tech support. And um, like a year before that, they had moved to this really nice cubicle farm that they had tech support in. Before that, they were literally in a sub-basement that you had to lift a hatch in the floor (laughs) to get to the call center. (laughs) It would flood. There was water on the floor.
1: That's where you know, they put tech support. I worked there for years before <laughs> I knew that that existed. And then they, they finally, like, at some point, I it had to go storage. down there for some reason. It was Yeah, I guess it was storage. And they brought us mm-hmm. down there. And I was like, wow, this place is, like, crazy. And yeah, they're like, yeah, this is where tech support used to be. And we look around, we're like... You put people in here.
0: <laughs> I worked with guys that remembered it. They were like, "Yeah, we used to be down there. It was right off the break room. It was this hatch in the floor." And I'm up one day I'm in the break room, <laughs> and someone's like, "We used to be down there." I'm like, "What?"
2: <laughs> I, I can relate. <laughs> I can relate because I worked at a place where the the server rack was. Li- the, uh, the janitor got written up because he used to prop his mop and the mop bucket right next to the server cabinet. <laughs> you can't make this stuff up.
0: <laughs> uh, was it was it there? We had an outage because the cleaning people actually unplugged a server rack to plug in a vacuum. I forget if it was there or not. I remember that story from somewhere I worked.,
1: <laughs>
0: oh, it's crazy, Crazy stuff. <laughs> And All I right, love so how the chat
2: is now just nothing but quotes from the website is down. <laughs> yeah, how how long did you say we had an hour? <laughs> we
0: yeah, we're we're right up at the hour already, but uh we started you know, late. You we know, started late. Iron Tissippant always goes get <laughs> long winded, especially on such an animated topic. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, I've
2: this? I've only been on my soapbox once, so I've I've <laughs> been trying to be good.
0: All right. So um that leads it unless anybody had any other stories they wanted to share. Oh, I've got that thousands, leads us,
2: but sure, go ahead.
0: <laughs> that, that leads us from config management into the, the the glorious world, as the salespeople will tell you, of the cloud. Okay, now we hinted at this earlier. The cloud is nothing but someone else's computer running a bunch of virtual machines. It's it's more than that, obviously. At its core. The cloud is a bunch of virtual machines running in an orchestrated manner. And that's the really the key that makes it a cloud versus just a, a hypervisor with a bunch of VMs on it, right? Uh, and the way you can manage it, the, the APIs that you can make calls to, turn things off and turn things on and, and config and whatever, build and turn off and turn on. And this really led us to, and stop me when you've heard this, cattle versus pets. Now, this is probably entering the most recent decade of the history that we're talking about here. Um, But I I can remember being at, I think it was a puppet conf, where the first time I heard that term. And it, it, it really was sort of like virtualization was revolutionary, sort of like Kickstart was revolutionary. This was revolutionary, right? All of a sudden, the hand coding, or coding is a loose word here, the hand care and feeding, Oh, but you you ever run into that person like, oh, you're a computer programmer, right? No, I'm a sysadmin, totally different job. Right. But you make the computers work, right? You're a programmer. That's why I'm always weird when I say about coding, hand coding. I'm Mm. not coding anything. (laughs) Anyway, um, all of a sudden, the servers that you cared for so deeply, like pets, are more like cattle being led to the slaughterhouse, (laughs) right? You spin it up. It does a job. It gets killed and put on the Barbie. (laughs) Although I wish, man, if servers made beef, that would be awesome. (laughs) Could you imagine all the dead servers that could turn into steaks? Imagine if they really were cattle. (laughs) All right. Where was I? Right. Cattle versus pets. So when, sorry, go ahead.
2: And I I definitely started out in in that that time frame because all of our servers had nicknames or they had host right. names. Like right. at, at the at the city I worked in, all the printers were named after presidents. Um, yeah, and, and so you you used to get emotional because you know there there one box I don't remember what job it was from, but uh, it it was Amcho, which was whatever the the what it was like the name of the 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 abbreviation for the data center and it was like home office or something like that it was a file server that lived for over a decade and we actually had a retirement party for Amcho when uh, when we pulled it out of the rack and shut it down in fact i think the guy that built it was still at the company and he got like a uh, like a memory board or or just some piece of hardware on this thing and displayed it in his office as long as i was there and yeah. it's i mean it was it it used to be just that bad. It's like you know we we had to we had to put we had to put Bucky down because you know Bucky blew both of its power supplies and you know now now, yep. now we got to come up with a new name because our naming convention you know there's there's only so many presidents or you know there's yeah, only there so many okay. comic book yeah. characters that we can think of before we get we too had, ridiculous.
1: We, we had a we had a server called Reality. So somewhere in this office, I have the processor for Reality. <laughs> <laughs>
0: We had, at the college, we had naming conventions that were, some of them were based off movie series, some of them were based off TV series. Um, The web guys all used Futurama characters. Nice. Right? And, of course, there's only so many characters in Futurama. Um, When, uh, (laughs) one of the web developers... (laughs) I can't use names on the show, but Jason's (laughs) going to know who I'm talking about. There was this one manager, uh, she led the um the the data management side of things, right? And uh she and Jason doesn't know this, but at one point we switched offices and it was like when she left campus and went to this office building, it was like a she was a different person, right? And it's I have a whole different opinion of, of her since then. So I'm Jason, sorry, you I never I don't believe you. You never met her, but when she was still up on <laughs> campus, she was very proper. She was just a very proper person, right? And everything was very businessy, and everything was very, very proper, right? And one of our web developers—again, this is after you left, Jason. One of our web developers had a project where he had to work directly with her, and the the server that he had chose—the server name he had chosen for this project was Hyper Chicken, which is apparently a character from Futurama that I didn't even know about, right? And one day I'm talking to him, I'm like, "Why did you call it Hyper Chicken?" He goes, <laughs> "I wanted, I wanted to see how long I I could, how long she would hold out." Before she would say that name in a meeting,
2: <laughs>
1: there was some of that too. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I could. I, I, okay, so I, I, I know who you're talking about on both sides of that one. I could absolutely. I'm see sure that. you do. Yeah.
0: I'm sure you do. He had long hair when you knew him. Oh yeah,
1: yeah. I, I know exactly who it is.
0: <laughs> ah, but it was hilarious. Anyway, um, um, but yeah, I remember we we had a we had a flat out like war. Because the web developers were standing up a issue tracker, uh, and they were going to use Redmine, and they wanted mm. to call the server Aragorn because Aragorn is a tracker, Aragorn, and it's a it's an issue tracker, right? So they thought it was perfect. The systems group wouldn't let them because we had claimed Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <laughs> they ended up calling it Muldoon, which is the guy from uh, Jurassic Park, the guy who hunted the raptors. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I never even knew his name, to be honest. I couldn't remember his name. They're like, oh, yeah, it's that guy. I'm like, sure, okay. <laughs> sure glad you didn't get Aragorn. I don't know if we ever used Aragorn, to be honest.
2: Can, can you imagine what it must be like for <laughs> business managers to come down <laughs> yeah, to right. to IT planning meetings like this? I mean, but what else? And it's it's so funny because anywhere I go, whether it's a conference or a meetup or, or a, a podcast like this, it's like, I, I meet other sysadmins, and we all have similar stories. So it's like this is this is not unusual for systems administrators for technologists because what we do is not easy. It is sometimes very very lonely, and and instead of instead of just and buckling stressful. under, it is very stressful. So you have to yeah. have those things. You have to have those stories to to kind of keep yourself sane, to keep yourself uh, combined as a team.
0: Um, we uh but we. What, What's I want to the- say we talked about this on the show once, but there was an article I had read once about how systems administration teams build a similar bond that soldiers do. Yes. Because they go through trauma like that. Together. Mm-hmm. It's not the same. Obviously, I'm not going to say sysadmins <laughs> are like soldiers because I'll, I'll end up with you know people complaining. But it's a, it's a similar idea, right, where you, you deal with trauma together and you build so, sort of a bond, right? Anyway, Jason, you wanted to say something?
1: Yeah, what, what's the what's the modern equivalent of 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 this though? Because you don't name servers anymore. Now they're now they're, you know, i-173526 that existed for 2.3 seconds yesterday at two o'clock in the morning and, and has gone through 900 iterations since then because they're all cattle. Like there's no mm-hmm. there's no naming of that stuff anymore. Uh, so it
0: just it just means that uh, sysadmin's lives are that much more boring because yeah, of the cloud. Yeah, I think it does. So one more thing the cloud has ruined.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but here's 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 where i I kind of expected I might have might end up back on my soapbox but is <laughs> the, is that really a bad thing though if we're talking about production is that yeah no having boring production is i I really feel like that's that's something good. I'd rather be bored on days where I'm babysitting production because that means that the business is working, the business is operating, and yeah and we, we kind of talked about this in the pre show was that when when virtual machines and automation started taking the world by storm one of the things that we i heard from all of my sysadmin buddies was oh my gosh i can't i cannot adopt ansible i cannot put saltstack in this environment you know why because as soon as i get it working they're going to fire me they're going to automate my job away and then they're going to let me go and then what am i going to do am i just going to spend the rest of my career automating everybody's crap and then just when, when everything's automated, what I end up, you know, shoveling snow or, you know, how do I make money? <clears throat> but the, the intention, the, the beauty of having this kind of boring infrastructure now is it leaves you more open. It leaves you more energized to focus on other things, whether that's spending time planning a land party that you don't kind of hide underneath a patching night. Um, you you can spend that time going to websites like Linux Academy if Linux Academy is still a thing. Uh, <laughs> I just realized that's been a couple of years. Uh, I've I've been spoiled by my my Red Hat Learning subscription. Um, yeah, right. But uh, uh, you you go to websites where you can try out new skills, where you can launch podcasts, you can form communities, you can spend that that time that you were spending uh, troubleshooting things after hours trying to get it up and running by the next morning. I don't know sleeping. That that's a good one. Enjoying what? time with your family, I, I I've actually been in a position where I've slept on the couch before because my on-call rotation coincided with uh with a family member's birthday party, and I ended up missing that birthday party because I pretty much didn't leave the car. I was I remember having my phone propped up on my on the back windshield of my car. I had my laptop out, my hotspot out, and yep. I was I had the phone on speaker, and I had you know stack exchange or something looking around trying to figure out you know okay I'm getting this weird error message I've got thank god I've yep. got remote connectivity via VPN and this hotspot you know and and everyone was inside singing happy birthday and eating cake nobody brought me cake um and and do we really is that really what we're looking for though but there was such an uprising i mean it was I mean, nowadays it'd been, it'd been buzzing on, it'd it been trending on Twitter because, you know, you know, I, I, I won't say that, that might start another fight, but, <laughs> but, uh, but I mean, it would, it would literally trend on Twitter that, you know, we can't adopt automation because I won't have a job and that's not what cloud is for. That's not what virtual no, machines right. are for. That's not what yeah, Ansible is for or SaltStack or any of the others.
0: You're right. We we talked about this. I think it was before the show, or was it when we were in? The, I can't remember now. It's a blur. <laughs> but uh, yeah, automation, there was a point when automation was scary. I mean, there was a point when virtualization was scary. There was a point when cloud was scary, mm-hmm. right? Because all of a sudden, things have to change. And the whole point of tonight's topic is that things have changed a lot in the past decade. And um, I don't even know if we're going to get to the point where we talk about where we think it's going. <laughs> Well, we've mean, gone over already but um but but yes uh, and and I've been there right there's there's a part of me that almost misses the respect maybe that came with being the guy who pulled the all-nighter to bring the mail server back up
2: wait you got respect for that
0: well that's just it right and <sighs> maybe you didn't but you you maybe thought you did, right? You felt like you had been through something, mm-hmm. right? Like, I've, I've talked lots of times. You don't know about this particular story, but I've talked lots of times on this show about this time. I personally screwed up and took down our rev manager, and we had a bunch of hypervisors that were running just basically like zombies because there was no more rev manager in front of them. And I spent two months of overnights and whatever fixing my screw-up, right? I'm, I'm kind of proud of that. Like, I didn't like doing it. It sucked. I actually, I, and I, I always joke, I lost 10 pounds during that, those two months because that's how stressed out I was. I mm-hmm. wasn't hungry. I mean, that it was just like, I, I thought I was going to lose my job at the end of it. I didn't. I don't know if it's just because of how I handled it or whatever, but I didn't. Um, but, uh, but yeah, te- it's like
1: <laughs> sheer terror on the other side going, oh crap, if he wasn't here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. What would have happened? Maybe, maybe it wouldn't well, have got
0: deleted. I don't know. Well Nate's
1: but- at his desk going, look, Ma, no Rev Manager. <laughs> yeah,
0: right.
2: <laughs> so to, to your point though, uh, I mean, between the three of us, we've seen SysOps go to sysadmins, we've seen mainframes go to hardware, to virtual machines, to automation, to cloud, to to I mean this this SRE is just to me, like the next generation systems administrator or whatever we're calling them now, because there's like infrastructure engineers, don't even get me started on DevOps engineers. Uh, but <laughs> whatever we're calling the next iteration of ourselves, because we can't just keep the same title because, you know, we can't. Um, right. But it's it's the same job. and And if you think about it, it's really just... Um, like I tell people that, you know, SRE isn't as crazy as it sounds, because if you're a, an SRE with an ops background, you're a sysadmin who specializes in automation programming, programming, air quotes, because uh, it's right. it's not programming. <laughs> uh, people ask me what uh, what programming languages I know. I go YAML.
0: Yeah, right. Right. And, which isn't. <laughs> but they don't know that most people don't know that
2: right. <laughs> or they'll they'll know that i'm a i'm a sysadmin in background and they're just like oh so right. you, you don't you don't code i was like
0: you don't actually know right
2: no i just i'm lazy
0: you format text <laughs> i format you text do. in the right way
2: and to then i it, use vs code to make because, the code so do the thing <laughs> i use vs code so it's formatted properly properly because we all know that go. yaml and spaces is a, a nightmare oh. I think I'd rather do another all night uh, patching night again than than have Got to deal it. with spacing but I, I'm the, I, I look at where things are going and
0: the- the fact that going into the RHCE, I had to memorize the tab spacing command for Vim <laughs> <laughs> because of the YAML, all the YAML that was involved, that tells you something. Anyway, continue.
2: <laughs> well, I was just going to say, just looking at the industry and, and thinking about where things are going, I mean, OpenShift, containers, Kuper, well, Kubernetes, uh, I mean, that's, that's a lot of where things are going, but that's, if you think about it, everything that, that our part of the industry has done for the last several decades is abstracting away more of what we do, building things in a way that we don't have to manage it. We figured out how to abstract away uh, the hardware. We figured out how to, in some ways, abstract away a lot of the networking components. Um, in fact, we've with the cloud, you can, if, if it makes sense for your, for your organization, you can even abstract away hardware, the data center itself by moving to the cloud. And so it's just another layer of abstraction. And it's it's not going to be this big mess of, uh, I'm going to automate my job away, or we're going to put everything in the cloud and I'm going to be unemployed. That may happen in a small percentage of environments, but that's, that's not a healthy environment because they're eventually going to get to the point where we're just like, uh, we got to this no-ops thing and uh, now we need an ops uh, and, and we just let them all go. Uh, crap. What do we do?
1: Right,
2: but right. it's it, it's just a natural progression from uh, who's one... going to
0: change the filter in the air conditioner? <laughs> Damn it! Right,
2: <laughs> and so it's it's one of those things that we can either push against it and hate every minute of it, or we can we can look for how how do we help the business? It's not about us. It's not about the war stories. It's not about uh. It's you know, it's not about us as individuals as systems administrators. We need to be stewards of our company's environments. We have to get to a position where we can build out servers that take us out of the equation. How can I automate this? Because then the business runs as the business should, and we get to take all the risks. We get to play with all the toys. We get to all learn all the new things in an area in in a space that's safe, that's that's segregated away from production, and we can we can collaborate. I know scary thought but we can collaborate with our developers we can help make their uh yeah i know it's, it's crazy we can actually talk to these guys and say what kind of programming languages do you want available in our golden image i mean it's it's amazing that we we are to a place where where i think that the industry has finally accepted that we've we've been in the trenches long enough so we should have these automation tools we should have this these abstraction layers and Although I like Joshua's comment in the in the uh, in the chat about getting hired back as a consultant at four times their the original rate, I mean, there you go. I I know several people who work like six hours a week because they uh they they're the only people in the entire metro area that know how to program on some of the banking mainframes that still run. I mean yep. that's that's definitely an option. I'm not sure if it's the best one, but it's it's a thing. <laughs> it's an <laughs> but, option. <laughs> but I, I've 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 watched the industry for a long time and. I've I've been a podcaster. I've I do live streams. I I talk to people. I I pray one of these days that eventually we'll we'll do in person events again. And I, I've just I've never seen the industry and the business more primed than they are right now to make those changes to respect work life balance to put in to to put in the dollars to help purchase the 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 right tools to abstract all this away to automate all of this away so that the business can continue to run and systems administrators can have a life <clears throat> thank you for attending my ted talk on the future of the yeah. systems administrator <laughs>
0: Sorry, it looks like we're having quite the fun with uh, spammers in our YouTube chat. (laughs) I noticed that. That's not a problem we usually have. Thank you, Jason, for uh, being so on top of that. I've been too busy managing like all the other doodads.
1: I am Uh, the AI ML automating this process.
0: Yeah, right, (laughs) right. So uh, we did have one last, I I should say, I mean, I'd like to at least wrap with the the one last technology that uh, I feel like is is kind of the future. Serverless. All the things that we've just wrapped up. Yes, so there are things like serverless. There's lambda. <sighs> there are there are people. Who it's think just somebody else's
2: operating system, dude.
0: There are people that think that that is the future, and that containers are just a place to slap your legacy um, uh, applications until you can get them to, to get them lambdaified.
1: Please don't lift uh, do and shift your that. containers.
2: Please don't.
0: Yeah, I I, I <laughs> do that- not.
1: <laughs> I, I took my code and I pasted it in my browser and it ran and there was no server involved. Okay. So it's serverless, Yeah,
0: serverless, totally serverless, but containers are really the thing I wanted to, to close up with. Right. So that is maybe not close, but that is, that is kind of like the latest and greatest in my opinion, in sort of the whole rabbit trail we've gone down tonight from servers to virtual machines, to, you know, cloud to now containers, right? So containerization, it's, it's almost like everything that's old is new again, right? We keep going through these iterations, right? It's like, okay, we've got servers. Servers run processes, right? Now, what if we take the whole server and make it a process? Now we've got virtualization, right? And then, okay, now virtualization leads to all these other things and automation and whatever. And now it's like, well, what if instead of that process being an entire operating system with kernel and, all that heavy stuff, it's its now just like a little shard of the host's kernel <laughs> running just the application, right? And now you've got, you know, with a bunch of walling and whatever mm-hmm. around it. Now you've got containers, right? That's a very big oversimplification, but at its core, that's really what a container is. Right. Um, it's almost like power virtualization. Remember when there was power virtualization and full virtualization? Power virtualization shared the kernel with the host. That's what Zen was doing. And full virtualization was things like KVM and VMware and all that stuff. Um, Right, so um, well, it's,
2: it's the same thing with with how we interact with our applications. Everything started out with dumb terminals, and then yep. it went to full fledged desktops. Then it's let's run all the applications on local des- on on the local desktop, and then it talks back to a central application and now we're going back in in a different way to kind of a dumb terminal with just an application whether that's web-based or whether that's on my yeah. iPad Pro or we really are i mean it's it's <laughs> it, it's funny how the the uh the industry kind of flexes both ways and and even even virtual desktops now are 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 making a resurgence so you know, I can I can be on my my tablet, or I can be on my personal laptop, and I can connect into like an AWS instance that's running a a virtualized desktop with a with a hardware GPU somewhere in 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 the Amazon universe, and and you know I don't I don't manage anything here on my home network. It's it's all somewhere near the core of my data center. So it's it's I mean it's just the the industry keeps flexing back and forth and back and forth, and so it'll be interesting to see where we go from here although i think i think that's that's quite a number of years out hopefully i'll be out of this part of the industry by then
0: <laughs> well i mean i i think that the thing is that there are visionaries that come along that have a great idea that the industry's not quite ready for yet and that idea gets turned into something that the industry is ready for right and that's the new hotness right and then that new hotness eventually becomes status quo, right? And then the next visionary comes along and has a grand idea, right? So you, you keep saying it's like we're just sort of re, we're it's like we're on a wheel, right? I, I think it's really just technology has to catch up with the vision, mm-hmm. right? And I, I think that's where where we'll always be. It's not where we are now and won't be tomorrow. We'll always, they'll always be that guy that has the next, sorry, that person, that has the next great idea. And that great idea we're not ready for yet. Right. So today it's things like virtual reality. Right. And we've touched on virtual reality a number of times in this show. Uh, But the idea of walking around with with a VR headset on, it's it's not it's not feasible today. So we don't have the processing power. We don't have the way to make it small enough. We don't have the way to power it. We don't have a way to make it cheap enough that everybody can be in VR all the time. Like some fiction has told us is the way of the future. But you remember Star Trek? Star Trek: The Next Generation, probably mm-hmm. one of my favorite TV series. That's of what all
2: got people. me into technology.
0: They had these things that they carried around, pads. Remember the pads they mm-hmm. had? We have them. They're here, right? They looked like complete fallacy when we saw it in Star Trek, right? Like that—that that can never happen. Uh, something that small that can talk to the ship way up in space, right? Well, what do you think these things do? <laughs> right? And maybe then. Maybe not. So. i guess GPS. They talk about talk to things up in space, but, um, everything that science fiction tells us, everything feasible anyway, that science fiction tells us eventually seems to come true. Right. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I've gone way afield at this point, but the, the, the point is right. People have a vision that vision becomes something that's attainable. Right. And then we recycle. Right. And we keep going through the same thing. But, um, I guess in a way we have gone into what's coming next. I don't know. Do you Five minutes or less. <laughs> Who's got a prediction about what system knitting is going to look like in five or ten years? I
1: don't I know. Don't if know I, I, do. I think it's. I think it's going to be more <laughs> of the same. It's just. It's just. It's. It's the same thing we do today, but perhaps at a different level. Mm-hmm. So you I, know, instead of instead of herding cattle anymore, we'll be you know seeding universes.
2: Right. Yeah, I, I'm not sure what the what the next thing is going to be because I I don't think the current vision has been fully realized and commoditized. Uh, yeah. Just look at the Kubernetes space, and there's like a thousand different open source projects to do one thing, and it's you know there's yeah. there's not the de- there's not the predetermined this is how you set up a Kubernetes cluster. You know, OpenShift tries. Um, OpenShift is one route. I think, uh, what is it, Rancher that just came out with uh, Rancher now part of, uh, anyway. Uh, I, it's getting close to bedtime, I think. But uh, <laughs> but uh, so, I mean, OpenShift tries to have an opinionated install, but it's not the only way. And then other companies are coming out with their own idea of this is what Kubernetes should look like in certain use cases. But we haven't quite figured out what the current thing is. We're, we're moving back into an operator uh, mainframe type of a setup. I mean, you don't, talk to, you don't talk to Hypervisor 3 now with Kubernetes. You talk to the, to the controller in front of the Kubernetes cluster, and you, you deploy your pods, and it kind of goes off into this thing, and it runs, and, and, and you don't know if it's done until you get the, the output from your job. And so we're, we've kind of swung back to this mainframe, uh, but it hasn't quite been fully realized yet. And there's there's a lot of work on edge, um, which I'm not talking the marketing edge. I'm talking about like the network edge, um, where instead of having uh, your application in five or six data centers across uh, the country or the globe, instead what what the real technology edge is, Instead, you have a bunch of little, even 1U servers or virtual servers scattered across every single metro area inside of your market, and you're deploying your application there. So, what I mean, think about things like uh, sporting events. Um, my Kansas City Chief's doing great, but if I could go and put on my VR glasses and watch, uh, watch the team play, and I can focus in on a player, and I can look at his number, and all of a sudden yeah. his stats come up on my glasses that you can't you can't do that if the data is going to mix intermix with fifty thousand fans and go all the way out to the nearest uh, the nearest amazon data center and then come all the way back instead you have you have these edge servers that kind of extend the presence and shorten that latency so that uh so that you're you're looking instead of waiting on something to go to a data center and back instead you, it could be even a data center underneath the stadium that is it's going
0: feed- to the rack that's behind the concession Exactly. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> Quite literally. So I, yeah.
2: I, I can't tell you what the next big thing is because we we're we're kind of coming up the hill. You know, kind of on on that yep. roller coaster. We're coming up the hill on the yep, current vision. So I, it's it's way too soon to tell.
0: I used to think and this is no no joke, right? This is the short vision that I had when I was first getting into IT but late 90s, early 2000s, right? I used to think that I missed it that I missed all of the revolution that was the computer revolution, right. right? All of the craziness that happened in the 60s and 70s and with all the, you know, people cloning hardware and all the weird inventions and all the all the stuff that led up to what I thought was just like the pinnacle of computing. Mhm late 90s early 2000s right? right um obviously i was wrong things have changed so much since then <laughs> but that's what i thought then right so i i've never been a big visionary right i just kind of do what's in front of me um i do think we're on the cusp of a number of things right now one of which is like the vr space and metaverses and stuff like that and you kind of touched on it there with your with your sporting event uh, uh analogy i don't i'm not a sportball guy but <laughs> <laughs> I get the concept, <laughs> but augmented reality, that's a perfect, perfect, you know, example of what, what could happen in the mm-hmm. next five to 10 years, right? Maybe, yep. right? We've, we've seen AR things tipping their toes into AR with, uh, you know, oh, games on your phone, Pokemon mm-hmm. Go, right? That's AR, um, uh, the game we used to play, Jason, um, Ingress, right? Hmm. Yeah, that, yeah that, Ingress. I to remember the name of it too. Yeah, that that predated uh, Pokemon Go, right?
1: Yeah, and there's lots there's of things a, that are happening like that, mm-hmm. right? I think there's a Harry Potter one too, isn't there? Yep. Yeah, there is. I yep, forget what is. it's
0: called now, but yeah, same deal.
1: I installed it, played it for
2: a few days, just for yeah. nostalgia purposes, both for Harry Potter and for my days of playing Pokemon Go. Although after about like four days, I think I just uninstalled that and reinstalled Pokemon Go. <laughs>
0: Yeah, right? Right? It's like you, you want to relive the past and then you're like, why don't I just go play the game I love instead of playing this weird facsimile. Right. <laughs> all right. So anyway, this has been quite the rabbit trail. We're oh my god, we're half an hour over.
2: <laughs> so so to to conclude.
0: Take a good idea.
2: So so to to kind of to kind of wrap this up. So you've got you've got AR may may be the next big thing. I think we kind of all more or less agreed on that. But then, if you look in the other corner of that same office, you've got the guy who still insists on running an IRC client in the command line.
0: What are you talking about? (laughs) I don't know. I don't have like a dozen coworkers that do just exactly that. Right.
2: Well, yeah, you you (laughs) work for Red Hat. So, yeah, there's still.
0: Yeah, right.
2: (laughs) What what communication tool do you use? Uh, All of them, I think.
0: Yeah, pretty much everything that's available to mankind right now. That's what we use. (laughs) I have an entire monitor devoted to my chat clients
2: <laughs> i have a work i have a workspace right here the yeah. for exactly the same thing so if someone pings me i have to go slo- swipe over and all right which hold on, which, which, hold on. Uh, this you one remember, here we go remember and,
1: back in the day when you had like even before pigeon when you had applications that you, know, you just put in all your all five or ten of your different accounts and it would just yeah. aggregate everything for you yeah pigeon pigeon
2: was the epitome of communications in my opinion yes
1: (laughs)
0: Yes. it was right you could put everything in there
2: pigeon was literally my and
0: your icq and your aim and your whatever else yeah right you don't have that anymore
2: pigeon was actually the first open source project i had i uh i had encountered i didn't know it until years later when i got into linux and was like oh
0: wait
1: pigeon that's still around wow of course it is. Open source software never dies. <laughs>
0: yeah, right. right. <laughs> no, just got one guy like I will not let it die. I don't care if we have three users.
2: I, I think it's that's mine. a KC, XKCD. Uh, it's my baby comic as as well.
0: Yeah, right. <laughs>
2: Oh goodness! Thank you guys so much for for inviting me on this. This was a blast, and
0: yeah, this has been this has been fun. So, if anybody wants to reach out to you, Eric, you want to tell them how. <laughs> you know, if they if anything in this entire show has struck a chord, and that they want to reach out and tell you how, you know, I don't know, whatever they're passionate about. <laughs>
2: So, I am very, very easy to find online if you go to Twitter or YouTube or, well, not YouTube. I don't have enough followers yet. But if you go to Twitter or Mastodon or Matrix or Telegram or my website, uh, it's all IT Guy Eric. IT G U Y E R I C. It's IT Guy Eric. Yes, I am on Matrix. I love Matrix. I talk to anyone and everyone about matrix i I preach the good word um i'm hoping to get ordained into the church of elements at some point but
0: (laughs) it's uh it's funny how there's such great products out there like like matrix right i
1: tried to i tried to move the iron system community
0: to it (laughs) yeah right gonna be a whole other thing (laughs) Um, we I tried to bring the and Iron System talk about and community that. <laughs> to Matrix and we, we just didn't get the buy in. I don't know why. Really? We went to Discord and everyone's like, yay, Discord! I thought Matrix so what you would do be perfect is perfect for our viewers. What
2: you do is you set up a Matrix room and then you set up a bridge to Discord
0: and then yeah. no one will know. I didn't want to have to manage so many things. So really, it's my own fault. To, to, <laughs> Automation. Jo- to, to Joshua's <laughs> Automation. point,
2: although to Joshua's point, that is the one place I'm not, is the metaverse. I am not on the metaverse.
0: Well, they're re- I mean, it's it's such a hard thing to be on at the moment. Because um, unless I'm really plugged forward. into the Matrix. I, I don't, yeah, right. We don't, I don't know. I don't feel a thing. All right. So anyway, this has been great. Um, folks, we're going to go to a break. If you're listening to the audio show, as usual, we're going to split this up into two shows. So you're going to want to look for the B section of the show if you want to... S- find out what's going on in Jason and I's life. I don't know if Eric... Eric's probably done. He doesn't want to hang out for the second half of the show.
2: Uh, Oh, you're going (laughs) to guilt me like that. I see how it is.
0: (laughs) I don't blame you, man. It's been an hour and a half. I told you an hour. Dude, i've
2: I, i've i've done forty episodes of a podcast, and uh, I, I won't i won't self promote, but uh, it's it's <laughs> you easy can enough self-promote to promote
0: if you want to. Um, Feel free, man. You got a podcast. Go ahead, talk about it. So,
2: uh, i I helped uh, co-found the Pseudo Show podcast. Uh, so, if you know the Destination Linux Network, uh, i I, uh, I helped launch the Pseudo Show. I'm taking a bit of a step back to do more community driven stuff to not sit in the hot seat. So basically to not do what Nate's doing right now. So I'm (laughs) taking a bit of a break to to go and talk to other people and, and that kind of thing. But, uh, but yeah, I, 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 uh, our, our standard interview time was it's, it's like a 40 minute show. Uh, so we probably should do hour, but then, you know, it's the internet. So let's do 90 minutes and we'll try and give you some of your life back but 90 minutes figure pre-show post-show troubleshooting where's my mute button all that kind of good stuff and yeah. then uh, and then everything else so you know all that to get like a 25 minute interview which we we just we we, we started yeah. out saying that hey we're going to be a 30 minute show and then like 4 50 minute shows later we're like it's going to be however long it's going to be when we run out that's of stuff to much talk it. about yeah, that's, we, that's it <laughs>
0: When we when we started Iron System and Jason remembers these conversations, we're like, let's make it an hour. An hour sounds like a good a good number. I I don't even know if we're going to have enough content for an hour. I don't think we've had a single show under an hour. (laughs) All right. So anyway, we're going to go to the break. Anybody who wants to tune in for the second half, we'll be back in five, 15, 27 minutes. I don't know. (laughs) Uh, hopefully it'll be short (laughs) and uh yeah we'll be we'll see you after the break let me let me find my obs window
1: here push the button nate
0: i'm gonna push the button push the button Push the button frank oh you didn't mean that button you meant you meant this button all right we'll, we'll be back folks